All she needed was some. 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 Had a Clippers game on the court side. Watch a nigga shoot like a four five. They mad at me too. I got more fire. Why these bitches see you? Go home, Rod. Go home, Rod. Tear to mirror in my bed. I'm a smart guy. I ain't fucking with you niggas like a part time. All right, we're back once again, folks. Finally. Live in effect in Greenwood. That's right, bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome to How You Living, the podcast that will always be in your ears for free when we're available here in Greenwood. Uh, that's available, but I just said it as bleed to fit the rhyme. <laughs> uh, we're back once again in May uh, here in fashion, uh, ready to tell about whatever we feel has happened since we've been here and or the recent week of news, which is almost always enough. Chaz, I ask the endearing question at this point. Uh-huh. How you living? Good, good. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting three weeks, because it's been about three weeks since we recorded the last podcast. Yeah, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, changes, and, uh, there's been political races, there's been natural events. Yeah. You know, so, uh, disasters, you know. There's been local political beef going on here in Seattle. There's been continued disaster relief necessity, because the Puerto Rico thing continues to be a problem with Mm -hmm. the lack of power and uh just normal uh you know necessities all right so that's how we start the intro into a segment we like to call cooka callbacks the uh the one and only look back at the previous whatever shows we're talking about and a lot of times relaying it to what's happening this week anyway but Chaz, what's on your mind something we've already talked about that you want to talk about now uh, you know what? I don't really have any like particular things that we need to call back, but I usually always use this time because, you know, this is America and it seems like every so often we're going to have yet another school shooting or mass shooting. And while we were away, there was another one that happened in Santa Fe, Texas. So I kind of just want to comment on it a little bit. Like it's a little different from the rest of them where a lot of them are high profile because it was done with an AR-15 or something of the sort. But this one was done with uh, a shotgun, a revolver, some explosive, and some Molotov cocktails. So that's that is out of the maybe the mainstream media norm of this sort of thing. But you know, it gets the ball rolling again for the gun debate and what we should do about it and where people are going. So it's it's always interesting, just like to give it a little bit of a spotlight on the show when it happens. But since we've pretty much said what we need to say about it, like the arguments haven't changed. So yeah, it's kind of just back to square one again, I guess. Yeah. And and the situation on the ground there in Texas being just kind of unfolding in a little bit different atmosphere as far as like their response to the necessity of maybe gun control or like a cohesive kind of like response to the issue outside of the fact that they just want it not to impact their gun ownership. Yeah. So you know, that's different than we've seen in the previous, you know, as far as we kind of seen the, the galvanized face of uh, the Parkland shooting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, wh- well, what is that and what does that even mean uh, as far as, like, going forward, you know, the fact that the gun debate is forever, like, embedded in the the middle of this controversy as far as, or this, like... I don't even know how you want to characterize it, you know, as far Mm -hmm. as like the impact of uh, high school shootings and college shootings and just school related shootings and murder and murder plots. And, you know, even the attempts are scary, you know, like it's it's uh, I you know, we're not even hearing about the atmosphere of like fear that might already be out there with people, you know, calling in threats already. Mm-hmm. you know to places that are like having to deal with that with like it not being real versus what we're seeing already so like we're not even hearing those numbers so like the kind of like accountability of this kind of fear atmosphere around our schools is you know it's a big it's a big problem 
that we need to address kind of as a society you know yeah and uh, there's an interesting criticism going on out there because it it was happened after parkland and now it's happening after santa fe where there's a question about there being quote unquote too many doors on campus and kind of just like how that's a bullshit argument like the relevancy of doors i guess they're trying to say like the ease of access makes it so it's hard to do ample security on people who might be coming on campus to do nefarious things yeah and well that's yeah that's clearly their their argument but yeah mm -hmm. i mean whether you can actually find the the numbers of like w what schools are safer and what number of doors is the safest. Mm -hmm. like, right. It's not really and it, and it, yeah. And people would wonder if like, that's going to be a question. Then people are like, well, how many doors are on the school that this kid goes to, you know? Cause like somebody might just be like, I kind of want him to have several doors. <laughs> mm hmm. You know, I mean, like I, I will give them, you know, maybe uh, not even uh, not credit, but maybe credence to the fact that they're talking about opportunity and trying to limit opportunities for it to happen, and that makes sense. And like, but maybe they shouldn't be those half-assed attempts at opportunity mitigation. And actually, maybe if opportunity mitigation is how you want to tackle this issue in the here and now maybe just talk about something that's practical and you know feasible to implement and not just like oh yeah let me just throw out platitudes about how there's too many doors on our schools and that allows them to be easy targets for guns right it's like oh what yeah yeah and i mean it's a very complex issue because like to some degree we have to like reach you know the kids that are ultimately conducting themselves in this manner that are actually providing the situations you know that are actually walking in with the guns you know we have mm -hmm. to like we have to address those people so like what and you know we can't classify who it is because at this point it's been anybody you know there's not like a person like as much as like people in schools you know they ridicule and they're mean they probably address this issue by calling people like you're probably the next one like, I keep my eye on you. Like, it's probably just amplified in the fact that it's, like, you know, teenagers and, like, the mm -hmm. the kind of dynamic in the school. So it, like, fuels the kind of the system that already is, like, the the building ground for it. So you kind of look at that and you're like, well, what what's the answer to that? Is it opportunity? Do you have to give more opportunity for people to not take the same route? Have we already tried that? Is there every opportunity? You know, is there people that literally don't want to be in school? <laughs> you know, what? W at what point are we forcing that on a person? Okay, know? that's an interesting take on it. Because if they have the right to, to decide to go, you know, ballistic and grab, you know, artillery and come into a school, then they, in my mind, have the right to maybe, before that was their choice, leave the school <laughs> you know like is i mean at some degree right like what is the full what's the full extent of what's actually happening well that's true i mean if we use that if we use the parkland um assailant as a, an example in that he had already left the school two years prior and then he came back okay and did the thing so okay but what what led to his do we, we remember again what led to his anger at the school for the the you know, reprisal. No, no, I don't. Well, maybe not exactly. Like there was reports from his caretaker that were saying um, that he was planning this stuff for a while. I think. Oh, there, yeah, there was a thing where they were saying that he was called on by the police a bunch of times, and they should have gotten him and seen it. So, like, it was kind of like seething in the undercurrent of who he was already. Right. So, I think maybe, I think some posited that it was prior slights and everything that happened to him and that made him do it. But, you know. Okay. Well, okay. So, we'll be on that. Like, so different, different stages at different places. You know, that's why I was saying it's a complex issue. I wasn't saying, definitely, it's not a, a, a single. Mm -hmm. um angle you know solution program like you know security is a part of it is it number of doors i would kind of venture to say no <laughs> uh, as far as like the safety ability but um yeah i i i don't know it's it's a uh 
it's a complex issue, you know, and I think I think part of it is opportunity. I think part of it is security. I think part of it is new types of administration in schools. I think there's already been kind of like a let's do it how it's been done mentality. And we really haven't given a lot of different, you know, people opportunities to be part of kind of curriculum development at superintendent level, at principal level at um, the, the administrative levels. Mm-hmm. I think if we change kind of the dynamic of how the community and the administration operate instead of just continually working in the same systems, you know, we could start to kind of to, to bridge between uh, the issues, you know, kind of always mm-hmm. the same argument we make. Yeah. You know, drive drive the solution local. So by connecting the school and the local community more in a way and ingraining it in a way where, where the opportunities are there for, for lessons to be taught by the community coming in as well as their um, ranks, if like they're qualified, becoming part of the administrative qualities of the school. Maybe not the entire, you know, part of the school board though, part of the uh, superintendent, you know, part of that kind of element. And and I think some of these schools will connect better with their communities, and and they'll know their population better. They'll know they'll know where they're coming from. They'll know, you know, a better a better setup and and program instead of just kind of this alienating system of of you know, essentially lifer administrators that just go from high school to high school as administrators, you know, mm-hmm. without not necessarily you know, having direct contact with that community for any length of time, maybe before or during at times. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's that's just kind of my, like, outside opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and that's built in just the kind of school model. Like, obviously, even though there's bigger bigger things at large as well and in the play of the gun control and who's getting them and, you know, there's bigger stuff too. Yeah. It's definitely a discussion that continues to need to be had, and just want to give a shout out to uh, two of the Parkland students' uh, victims' parents um, are running for city council or not city council, well, school board in that school district. So that's cool. Yeah, they're yeah. We'll see if they get elected, and that you know that's part of leadership quality that I'm talking about, and it also fits into the you know build it from the bottom up top down whatever just like every position somebody we know and and i'm hearing about that there was actually there's like a a scientist wave oh yeah you know there's a few hundred uh scientists background uh uh, candidates running in races all throughout the country and and i think that's great it's uh it's in some part in due to response of of somewhat of a denial of science by this administration but also um of i think some of them just a call of of kind of regional or whatever duty statewide mm-hmm. uh and uh and and that's good that's what we've been talking about it's like if if somebody feels like they're qualified even if they've never ran if they can walk around and people around them say yeah we'd vote for you that alone is kind of a a meter to kind of start thinking you know what do I represent? And, you know, along the way, you'll find maybe some type of candidacy, you know, between, you know, school board, community board, you know, county board, you know, there's all kinds of mm-hmm. of levels of representation. And, and, and you know, you'll find a, a find a spot. I would definitely, at first, if you just even want to get involved, just go to your local um, community organization, whatever, whatever is the closest organization to your actual address that operates either like uh, conducting resources for people or um, developing certain areas, maybe unkept areas within a neighborhood, maybe adding street lights to places, kind of agenda driven community work, uh, finding one of those and just volunteering mm-hmm. even for like a week, you know, like 20 hours, one week, you know, uh, you'll find out a lot about a, your community and B kind of, uh, how representation works in a in a good way on at a small scale. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So, how about you, Mikkel? You got any callbacks? That I mean, that's it. Yeah, I guess I kind of kicked that one off. 
I'm I'm calling that the callbacks. We're officially here. Episode five five. I think we made it. I I think we made it to fifty five. Oh yeah. It's uh. It's uh. We can join AARP, y'all. Yeah, yeah. No, we're we're getting the discount. We're eating <laughs> we're eating the dollar ninety nine pancakes now. Yeah, boy. Free refills on the coffee. We're good. I like it. Uh, and as fifty five episode old, uh, podcast that we are. Um, I what hot topic do you think we should start? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Uh, let me see. If we so so if I said hot topic, I guess we should start by mentioning our uh you know thoughts more than prayers, <laughs> our actual ideas and hopes that we can somehow help uh the victims and current you know uh refugees to this point of the volcano going on in Hawaii, um. You know, look out for whatever additional seismic activities going on. Mm-hmm. They're about to lose possibly uh, their geothermal power. Uh, at the, as of this recording, it was uh, in danger, and uh, and so you know, it's it's obviously an expected thing. the The volcano itself's been going off for you know several decades. But uh, at this point, uh, you know, a lot of people were comfortable living where they were living and their homes are gone. And, you know, there's a highway that's blocked at this point in time. You know, it's it's a devastating situation. And, you know, they had the first casualty uh, or I don't think he a casualty. Actually, it was the first uh, injury of of like severity. And, uh, and the guy got, you know, basically hit by falling, flaming debris. So, you know, you got to, uh, and then, the, and now there's also the repercussions of the, the lava going into the sea and creating a lot of smog that they call VOG. And, uh, yeah, it's a serious event going on in the big island. So, you know, as far as hot topics, Pardon the pun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the laugh didn't help. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. Live, in fact. Uh, yeah, no, the Big Island is uh, is in trouble, you know. And uh, so hopefully uh, hearts and minds are out there and hopefully lives are saved and people can get back to normal. Also, as a pin before we go too far into the volcano. Mm-hmm. I do recognize that Puerto Rico is still a problem mm-hmm. and that the, the power issue there needs to stop. So, I mean, they're we, getting there, though. I think they're like 60% with well, power now. Well, we, we would have to like verify that, but yeah. that would be great. I would hope it would be 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, at the same time, uh, you know, with natural disasters hitting, um and uh the trump presidency continuing um what do you think of his response so far have you noticed anything uh for hawaii yeah uh, i haven't really heard much from uh, our president about the whole thing yeah um and and it's a wonder just like how how state government or how the state government is handling it because it is happening on the big island and that is having uh, some effects on like the tourism of the other islands and also uh the lifestyle of those who live in that part because like there's a lot of uh wildlife reserves and stuff around there so it and it was a wonder what it'll do for those animals it's a wonder how it'll change the landscape of the big island once like the eruption stops being so active and we don't even know how long that's going to be um, and everything like that. So, I mean, I also, since it is a natural disaster and I've seen a couple of talks about how when we think about what we should send for people in natural disasters, that we aren't being as practical as we can be. Like, there's always these drives for, um, like, canned goods or clothing or things of that sort, like consumer uh, consumer goods that usually just end up in one big old pile that they don't sort through, and then they just get thrown away again. So 
honestly, probably the best way to help them out is if, you know, someone locally that's doing a GoFundMe, like, send money to them directly so they can do their things. If you know of good um, nonprofits that are actually using their money effectively to help people in uh, those situations, donate to that, too. Uh, so, yeah. I think it's interesting that, you know, it, they are volcanic islands, so we knew this was always a possibility. Uh, now to see it being a reality, how America and uh, the state of Hawaii will deal with this incursion of it and the aftermath of it will be interesting. Yeah, well, I yeah, I think, I think Trump's interaction with it will be interesting, too. Uh, just given, like, the nature of the the fact that Obama's from Hawaii... The fact that the the judge that's been holding up the travel ban mm-hmm. was ba- is from Hawaii, so a lot of the uh, you know I I just wonder how Trump just Trump being Trump like how he's gonna have to play it off eventually, you know to to kind of like cite that the relief aid worked and that everything's good when everything's good. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly we're not there. So, do you think it'll go the same route as, um, like when Haiti happened in like 2011? Do you think there'll be maybe some sort of like live aid and not maybe concert, maybe just stream event or something that'll drum up some some donations and such? Yeah, outside of Trump, yeah, for sure. That's like, yeah, totally separate. Like artists themselves, yeah, they'll band together for Hawaii probably sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we'll probably start hearing about something. Right? Did we just need to get Bruno Mars because Bruno Mars is from Hawaii? So, yeah. and they gotta, yeah, and, yeah, and keep an eye on Puerto Rico too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we gotta, we gotta like fulfill our promises to the people that are like under the flag that we actually call it. At. Right? Yeah. Maybe we should do a dual one: Puerto Rico and Hawaii dual yeah. concert. All I really, all I, this was a an elaborate setup for me to basically posit that Jaden Smith needs to come on screen and do his best Kanye and say that Trump doesn't care about brown people. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> right? That's interesting. What if, yeah, what if you can get Mike Myers to stand next to him <laughs> just to like recreate the whole event? Right. I don't know right. if that's funny. I don't know. I guess to some degree we're making fun of a tragedy. We should probably li- lighten up on that. Uh, but yeah, we're coming into, uh, sports season in the sense that at the end of the summer, it's, uh, football and the Browns have been making a whole bunch of moves and they have been selected to be on HBO's Hard Knocks. Okay. Yeah. Which films teams based on their training camps going into the pre the season. Okay. Yeah. They're not allowed allowed to show any part of the regular season, so it's only the preseason games mm-hmm. and uh and the workouts go leading to the preseason games. So yeah, it's gonna be the the Cleveland Browns who did not win a game last year. Okay. okay. They're like something like one in thirty one or something like that. It's it's ridiculous. But uh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be on the show. And there's a couple different leads. There's uh Tyrod Taylor who's been the uh uh starting quarterback at one point for the Bills is brought on and onto a contract there, but they also just had the number one selection and they selected a quarterback. Mm. So they have uh this Mayfield guy coming in as the number one quarterback and then you already have you know tyrod taylor so uh that you already can see what the uh storylines are going to be for this upcoming uh, hbo documentary series so i'm like i'm not even a browns fan but i'm like i would probably still watch that series yeah i mean it is like you can frame reality tv in a good way and that's good reality tv because uh Training camp in the preseason is like the last ditch effort to cut to get down to 54. So having that drama there and, you know, you just follow the people like and they always give them some sort of moniker like the rookie, the veteran, the last chance guy. Right. Like, you know, all that bullshit. But, you know, it's good TV. I'm just I'm I'm just poking fun at it. And yeah, it would, it would be like when I really get into reality TV and I care about the story of the people and like what they're going through. Uh, I think 
it wasn't maybe it was Friday Night Tykes I watched on Netflix. I mean, this is a little bit bigger because the, yeah. like the like their lives will change if they if they make the team, mm-hmm. and they sometimes don't make the team. Exactly, and they sometimes either that or they get hurt before the team yeah. finishes preseason. And see, like you can't script that. Like yeah. whatever happens, like you just edit it for dra- for drama, and you're good. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I wouldn't want it for my Seahawks. I'll tell you that. Like, I want it as a fan to see it, but I wouldn't want it for the distraction it would be for that season's uh, yeah. Seahawks. No, so. I like I like them picking the Browns. Them did they really just go zero and sixteen? Yeah. Okay. Um, and because for them, they're a franchise that needs to build a team that can win games. And they just can't be like the Cleveland Browns, y'all shitty, like that's in your name, blah, 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 whatever. And so to see them basically starting from the bottom and seeing if they can get to a point where they are a formidable franchise which is what makes for some very interesting television indeed. Yeah, they finished uh, 1-15 in the previous year, and they finished 0-16 in this last year. Yeah. So. I mean, damn. Yeah. It's, I mean, and so, yeah. And uh, just as kind of my, like, you know, I always do a TV-related thing. I, I went sports and TV, mm-hmm. uh, and it's coming up in the future. So maybe somebody that listens to this can catch it. And or it'll be on or it'll already have happened. Yeah. So there you go. It's a it's a triple whammy uh, sidebar. Uh, what other important topics are happening in uh, American politics or your world, Chaz? Uh, I mean, I guess so. I think a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we found out that like one of the talks weren't going to happen between uh, North Korea and South Korea. But I think the stole the big conference is still on, uh. So that was a little unnerving, but we'll see what happens. Probably shouldn't have been holding our breath with the whole thing, given how erratic the northern regime is. But you know. Yeah, and Trump Trump's been saying some <laughs> rhetoric today that kind of leans in a possible uh, kind of postponement of the situation as well. He he said there's a possibility it doesn't happen in June. That June may not work. So uh it's it's kind of it's kind of uh going off the the rails a little bit as far as happening anytime right away yeah unless it just happens like it's like that's the ruse is everyone's supposed to think it's off and that's what kind of gives them both the kind of security clearance to just kind of happen to meet up mm-hmm. uh i don't know you know these things are always Here's the interesting thing, though. Like, given uh, Trump's pattern of behavior for previous things like this, I don't think Trump has ever canceled an international meeting with, like, another, uh, you know, country's leader. They have, other leaders have canceled on him because of his rhetoric, but I don't think he has ever been, like, been canceling it so like when he kind of tells like i don't know what will happen and everything i kind of that's based on his behavior i kind of just call bullshit on it because he usually doesn't follow through on that unless i'm mistaken uh and then he does have uh world leaders that he favors more than others but when it comes to like trips for diplomacy and all that he he pretty much like he's he's there like g5 summits and all that so i don't know yeah, the quote from the president today in the Oval Office is, there's a very substantial chance that it won't work out. That doesn't mean that it won't work out over a period of time, but it may not work out for June 12th. Yeah, yeah, that's typical. Like, that, that that's typical Trump hedging his bets. Like, if it goes off without a hitch, he's like, yeah, we did it. But if it doesn't, he's like, well, I told y'all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, yeah, he's... In case Un cancels. He yeah, can... exactly. Because it's not going to be Trump who cancels. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what if he What if he does? I mean, I if don't... If Trump cancels? Yeah. If Trump can That would be... Uh, 
<laughs> no. Here, what? you play North Korea. I'll play Trump. No. Oh Lord! <laughs> you dial. You got to do the whole ringtone. I'll let the whole thing ring, and then it'll just play the the, the answering machine bit. All right. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Damn, your phone's good. That's good. That's good. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> no. We're not meeting. <laughs> oh Lord! That's not huge. Oh man. Yeah, it's it's important too. But it, yeah, it may or may not happen on June twelfth. Posturing, uh, good old Trump. Like you said, it is a hedging bet move. You're right. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's that's Trump's rhetoric right there. He just goes like he has that. Yeah, I don't. I can't even remember his cadence that much anymore. Yeah. But but yeah. Yeah. So you know, do watch Hard Knocks. Don't watch the Korea submit. Do watch Trolls uh, on Netflix. All right. Uh, next up. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we we can talk about uh, anything that's occurred this week, Chaz. Come on. So we haven't talked about um, Childish Gambino's This Is America oh, and, that, and yeah. how that set the internet on fire. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. Uh, released both as a video and he also debuted the track as a performance on Saturday Night Live. That was such a like clutch move. Like that's marketing genius. No, it was really good. It was a good tie in. Yeah. No, he I, I give him a lot of credit. Uh I've I've already liked both Donald Glover and his childish Gambino persona mm-hmm. uh for years now. Um yeah, and supported him throughout the the changes all the way back to his uh, connection with Mystery Team. So yeah, which wow, he gets that's a, like way a, back a writing credit, as well as you know the fact that he was a writer on you know Thirty Rock. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so so given his credentials, you know, he's allowed you know the seat and some comfort in saying some things. He's been a part of certain media. He's been in front of the camera. He's been on all angles. Mm-hmm. He's grown up. He's made money. You know, he knows the different levels of success. You know, and so he's at a good position to kind of release something like this. And uh, it's it was a uh, you know it's a lot of statements within one video. Yeah, it is. It's interesting to see, uh, like, because this is definitely a political song and it's trying to make a political statement. But it's interesting to see where that has come from because if y'all don't know that song, like, "This Land Is Your Land," "This Land Is My Land," was a political song when it was released, and now it's kind of been co-opted as this like pro-America track and everything. So I find it very interesting, like how that can have a different juxtaposition over time. But yeah, this one was like, I I think, let me see again, because there's people, there's been people who love it, a lot of contention for it. Some people critiqued it on the lyrics, or just like, why are you trying to copy everyone, Childish Gambino, like with your little motifs taken from basically all the popular rappers and everything, which I think was a critique in and of itself. Uh, yeah, oh, and everyone be doing it, and they all be like, I be switching my styles, like, I be switching, and then they name their thing. Car, yeah. Cars, girls, jobs, mm-hmm. grills, you know, chains, uh, whatever. Um, but they're always saying they switch their flows because they're all trying to, like, imitate each other, and they don't want to get caught saying they're imitating each other. So they're like, no, I'm not imitating anybody. I just do all of the flows. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean that's like great. That's like pleading the fifth in the argu- <laughs> the argument of the verse. You know, I'm lyrical as fucking all dev- you know devotion. And then you're just like Migos is just happens to be dope. I'm just trap as fuck. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> and you're like Lambo. Yeah, <laughs> stolen from the bit. Um, contraband, contraband, contraband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which is borrowed, yeah, yeah, hundred bands, hundred bands, yeah. That's interesting. Well, you know, uh, not all music is for everybody. Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, you know, I do agree that we give him some credit for the hype move of you know dropping it the day, you know, midnight as as his show is is broadcast. You know, mm-hmm. that's smart. That's smart. Good marketing. Good move. It was a, it was an impactful video. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, got lots of people talking about it like a few days afterwards or like just these are the hidden things that you saw there like including like, us whoa mind blown right and like the the ones that stood out to me was death on a white horse being followed by the police which is a reference to like death in the bible and and kind of like a revelation script um the other one was like just the the type of dances they were doing just to distract you from everything else that was going on like it was like tribal from different from different like regions and and uh yeah it it was yeah representing different a lot of different like slave culture dances there was like mm-hmm. like one of them was south african one of them or south american i mean mm-hmm. uh the guara i guess is what it was called mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was interesting yeah and then, like, there was just one, like, there was a small critique, like, where people were just out on their phones saying all the things. The one that was probably really kind of really impactful was, like, when he had the church chorus going, and then he walked in, he was looking all happy and everything, and then he looked over, and he just pulled out, a, I think it was an AK-47, and he was like, and then just kept going. I'm just like, shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, and then he handed it to somebody who took it away very promptly. Like, mm-hmm. And they put it in a cloth. They did that with both guns. Like, the one he used at the beginning when he kind of did that Bojangles sort of uh, kind of thing to shoot the dude. And and apparently, too, that his pants uh, were neither modeled after or, like, taken from what the Confederates wore during the Civil War. All right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's just so many, like, meta layers to that damn video. Yeah. So shout out to him for the, uh, you know, depth of, of artistry and the, you know, statement made people have a conversation. That's always kind of an interest, you know, dynamic, Mm -hmm. you know, people have to kind of like discuss, you know, and, and, you know, maybe come to light to some people that, you know, some of their ideas Mm -hmm. could be adjusted, you know, based on some realities that they might come to light from the emotions of a video like that Mm -hmm. you know uh i think you know ultimately if we're looking for the kind of bridge uh between um what we declare as the trump voter or what Mm -hmm. we declare as the alt-right or whatever is kind of that kind of side uh eventually if we want to normalize our opinion of them to some degree, you know, they have to normalize their opinion of some of these very specific ideals. And I think that's kind of the message here is like, it, it's not everything. It's not change. We're not trying to take their guns necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like every issue that they say, you know, it's not accurate, but like a video like this, the, the dynamics and the problems, the, the, you know, discrimination and 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 all of the issues that america kind of like blindfolds itself from mm-hmm. uh is it, something that the trump america the alt-right america you know has to come to grips with and that's that's the kind of the war of minds that we're at mm-hmm. because until they accept just a couple of it's very simple ideals to at least allow a discussion uh we're, we're kind of faced with this divided nation theory you know yeah, so you know what that reminds me of? Like, I don't think we've ever talked about him on the show, but he's been gaining, like, prevalence kind of in this, uh, like, the off intellectual brand thing on the right is Jordan Peterson. Right. And, yeah. and, and he's getting lumped into the Sam Harris camp, even though they're kind of ideologically a little different. Yeah, they're, yeah, I've, I've listened to uh, Sam Harris and his, uh, like, his whole thing was, like, Islamophobia and being able to talk about Islam as, like, a system separate from the people or something like that. And I I guess I, like, from a principle standpoint, understood where he was coming from. But with Jordan Peterson, I'm not exactly sure where he's coming from, even after hearing critiques about him on the left and people praising him on the right. I'm still kind of, like, trying to figure out what his message is and what is his core values that he's trying to espouse because he has that book uh like 12 lessons or something i should actually look it up and see what it is but that's a bestseller on amazon and there's a lot of folks out there who listen to him and you know take credence to what he says and some people say it's problematic so 
I think I might have to bring that, put that in here as a callback, because, you know, I've watched some videos from ContraPoints, and ContraPoints pointed out a, a lot of good things where, like, he kind of gets to a point where he makes sense, and then basically drops off the deep end, and I've heard people who kind of have, like, the individualistic mentality and and maybe more libertarian thinking really hold on to his views as something they can point to as an authoritative figure that they value. So, yeah, he's a very interesting cat in this whole intellectual minefield that is America right now. Right, and he's technically Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just but he is influential here because he definitely uses American media as his platform. Yeah, there's but, a... Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say there's a YouTuber, Roaming Millennial, who's also Canadian, who basically does the same thing, too. But I think Jordan Peterson is kind of like trampolined or propelled himself higher than that in a very short period of time by being like antithetical to what people might call like the SJW agenda in some sense. And, and kind of being like an authoritative offshoot of a second of YouTube that is about like the alternate thought and everything like that. So. Yeah, yeah, and that, well, and the whole Vice movement is coming out of uh, Canada originally, too, so that's why it's kind of always got this, like, it's open-minded left to some degree, but it definitely wants to present our, like, kind of a lens on what's going on on the alt-right mm-hmm. to an extent that's, like, they're kind of leading credence to certain parts of that movement um, just by the airtime. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, and and I don't know, you know, Canada politically is not the enemy. Uh, I don't think they're like bombing us with their political, you know, rivalry and like no, stewing not our pot. But <clears throat> but I do think, you know, to some degree, uh, Jordan Peterson may feel there a nothing to lose mentality in, in our ball fields as mm-hmm. far as intellectual games and. Doesn't mind if he riles up a crowd. Doesn't mind if he has to cancel his show. It's kind of like an intellectual playground that he can always extradite himself from. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and not that that's like a problem, but it's interesting that he's competitive to certain ideals down here, um, in a fashion that's like different as far as the numbers for for Canada. You know. Yeah, I mean, so I remember he gained precedence. Um, when there was that whole thing going on at Evergreen College, and he made a really he he makes now I remember he makes a really big deal of not wanting to call people by their pronouns. I forget the reasoning he gives behind it, but it's kind of like one of those things where I think he frames it as you're wanting the world to coddle you in some sort of way. The world isn't going to refer to you as what you want, so why are you saying this? And I'm like, and, and it's whole like the people who are anti oh. What do you mean there's a third gender or there's more than two genders and everything like that? And I've had a couple of those conversations online. So, yeah, I could see from that standpoint where folks find them problematic because, like, if someone identifies this way, like, why is it so hard for you not to ask them how they want to be represented? represented? I don't know, but there's a lot of arguments people make against it, and he is one of the chief proprietors of those arguments in the media at the moment yeah and uh the seattle stranger in response to a visit upcoming from jordan peterson back in april oh uh um stated that he appeals to lonely men on the internet who feel alienated by the progress of women and minorities and makes plenty of money doing it yeah now i can i I, yeah i can see that (laughs) That's definitely where his book comes in. It's definitely a part of the self-help category. It's definitely people who are like, I'm lost and I need to find a way. What do, what do, what do. And, you know, especially like especially if they're white males and like we are already telling them that they have privilege, but if they reframe privilege as money and they don't have money, then they're going to be like, what privilege do I actually have? And, you know, since they're in the best position to quote-unquote pull themselves by their bootstraps, and if their society around them is saying, hey, you aren't pulling yourself by a bootstrap, you a little shit, what the fuck wrong with you? 
yeah, I can see someone like him saying, okay, well, maybe you don't have the right script in your head to go through. So my name is Jordan Peterson. I'm a college professor, so you know that gives me authority. And I'm going to write this book that tells you this is how you should live your life. And people are like, yeah. Yeah, that's how I should live my life. Exactly. It always uh, it always comes down to, to living your life, ultimately. Uh all right, as the tail end of my piece, I'm going to give a little bit of information about today's primary results because it'll have impact on things in the few months in the future, so you guys can keep track. Uh, congratulations on the Democratic ticket for Georgia to Stacey Abrams Woo-woo. by winning 76% of the vote with 92% to count, declared winner. Uh, we have a runoff on the Republican side between Casey Cagle and Brian Kemp. Uh, between 38.9% and 25.7%, with 94% counted. Uh, with that being said, uh, there was also several races in between Arkansas. We had uh, the Republican governor primary. So, uh, you know, pretty much a Republican state. Uh, currently, we have Asia Hutchinson versus Jan Morgan, and Asia Hutchinson came through with 69.2% on the Republican ticket. And uh, apparently, we don't have a, a Democratic uh, rival listed. So, uh, And then, uh, just to give one more to round out, we'll say... Kentucky, which has a update that Amy McGrath is projected to win, and uh, she is the Democratic candidate with uh, 48.4%, and so that's for the Kentucky U.S. House Democrat primary in the 6th district the fighting 6th nice. all right so there you go a little bit update uh uh some female winners um some uh heavy hitters some minority candidate winners some uh exposure to a much bigger thing go ahead and take a look at uh current primary results uh and find the states that are important to you uh chaz anything else you want to leave the people with I mean, I guess the only thing we didn't talk about is Seattle's head tax, but... All right, well, what are some... uh, What's your 30-second opinion on the head tax? My 30-second opinion on the head tax. Uh, You know what? I'm kind of to the point where I need to see the real numbers of how it'll affect the different local businesses because there's definitely people who are for it uh, because it'll give a new pool of money for homelessness. But there's definitely some good critiques out there saying that Seattle city government isn't good at using the funds that they get from taxes productively. And some people feel like they're being overtaxed right? in some degree. And also people are making coming into the defense of places like Dick's, Bartel Drugs, Inuajimaya, where the the five or no, it's the $275 head tax now would be too much of a financial burden on companies with really low margins. So... I'm kind of like, and kind of had a small discussion on uh, Facebook with a friend about like if we took Kroger's dollars and put it to scale with them, that they may not actually have the money to pay for with their current uh, profits and they would definitely have to raise their prices. But then I might argue that they wouldn't have to raise their prices much in order to cover it. So I think to me, without ample data, it feels like they're making a mountain out of a molehill but i won't say that it is until and i don't think you'll ever see real data because most of them are private companies and they don't need to disclose their funds to the public so it'll kind of just be like where do you stand ideologically and i was like and for me basically because seattle can't uh tax itself in a lot of ways until we go to the state level and try to change the way we can tax you like income tax and everything like that to make them less regressive, this is like the most pragmatic way to do it based on the tools we have at hand. So, yeah. All right. I want to see if we can hear just for a moment this uh, tidbit before we head out uh, in response to what we just were talking about. And, of course, 
go. Businesses. Pierce County officials are scheduled to announce a new employee tax credit tomorrow. The county plans to offer businesses $275 for each new family wage job created. It's genius. It's not clear how long that program might stay in place. We asked officials if this is a response to Seattle. All right. So, yeah, basically Tacoma, Pierce County trying to take a stab at <laughs> Seattle. For real. Wow. So, like, see, the thing, the critique I have there is a small one. What the fuck is a family wage job? Like, is that like $75,000 a year or something? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a brilliant shot, though, because it doesn't say any job. It says a family. Like, at least it talks about having a living wage. And that is something that folks can criticize companies too especially amazon and its warehouse centers where it doesn't pay it, it doesn't pay the people who work in those centers living wages so so yeah that's a that's a very like it's an interesting uh to be con uh, con continued we'll see is there an exodus does amazon hq3 happen in pierce county are we gonna get cops back in pierce county are they gonna arrest amazon bros now in season 38 i mean if there's if it can turn itself into a more a metropolitan-like center, but, like, if they do that, I mean, prepare to get the Seattle effect because when you have dudes with a lot of money, capitalism going to be like, we're going to make bank, bro, and the same problems that are happening here will eventually happen down there if you give it enough time. So, so in the short term, it's an interesting slide. In the long term, will they want that? I don't know. Only time will tell until everything is ruined. That's the key. Uh, Chaz, it's been fun. I don't know if we fixed anything. No, I'm not we never fix anything. We just what? ran rave. I, I thought like 90% of the time we solved the world's problems. <laughs> God damn it. Why are we still doing this? All right. Well, <laughs> while we're still doing it, please hit us up on Gmail at H-Y-L-B-O-X at gmail.com. That's H-Y-L-B-O-X at gmail.com. It's a free email service both for us and you. Uh, communicate with us. Give us a heads up. Also, C-Town Mayor is the name of uh, me on Twitter, S-E-A-T-O-W-N-M-A-Y-O-R, to help your municipality close to the ocean. All right. You can always find me at CRSII on the Twitter, Chaz Baz on the Instagrams. Uh, make sure you rate us on the iTunes if you like it, if you come to the end of it. If you come to the end, I love you. Like, for hey, real. welcome. Though. Like, thank you for listening to all of this. Here's the secret. All of this. Bitcoin's going to be 20K tomorrow. No. All right, we don't have any secrets like that. <laughs> Maybe you're listening to this in five years and Bitcoin's at like 800K and you're like, oh, that's so dated. <laughs> in which case, you're welcome. Uh, Chaz, it's been fun. It's been fun, Mikel. Sleep on it. We out. Peace. All my stone single men, they ain't with the mingling. Them that smashed the whole club, but we ain't with that kinky shit. Walk beyond that minky shit. My whole clip fucked it. Looking at the robbers like, y'all ain't finna take shit. Bless your boy, amazing shit. Your jeweler ain't a bonus. Crazy diamond bracelet, I'm jealous.